uh, the youth leading on this family Sunday as well. And I encourage you, uh, Sunday mornings are wonderful opportunities for us to worship, but um, sometimes it feels like, boy, it'd be great if we could go for like half hour more. We're like, you're really getting in. And so tonight, tonight at six is an opportunity. Every time we have gathered for these, um, the Lord meets us in an intimate and in a, a transforming way. So I would encourage you to come, to come expecting, to come ready to engage the Lord in worship, um, not to have a time constraint on it, uh, but just to come and to worship him and to seek him in prayer. Today, we look at the second act of righteousness. Last week, giving. Uh, these acts of righteousness that Jesus talks about, giving today prayer, next uh, time fasting. And he says it not, uh, this is maybe something to think about, but he says when you give, when you pray, when you fast, these are expectations that Jesus has for us to be doing. And he addresses not just the action, but the attitude, the how in which we do it. Um, and so today we look at prayer, as we look at this uh, series on kingdom counterculture, what the kingdom looks like. And as we begin here on this Family Sunday and look at prayer, uh, I want you to listen to some prayers of some adorable little kids and their prayers to the Lord. So watch this video. Dear Heavenly Father, 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 why do drafts look so funny? Thank you for preparing horses on the earth. Please bless the mic guys to be good so they'll be resurrected. Please help me to never go to the dentist. Thank you for Grandpa's birthday. Bless the day. Give me apples and I have my point too. Thank you for all the doggies. Thank you for Daddy's haircut. Please help Christmas to come soon. Thank you for the baby's haircut. Thankful for my cat that lets me dress him in my clothes. Thank you for Jesus' haircut. Please help us to have pancakes in the morning. Please bless the toothache and come. Please protect us from big hungry sharks, tsunamis and lightning, vampires, fires and tornadoes, and mean fish in the ocean like piranhas. Please bless me not to grow a beard. Please bless that the girls won't try to kiss me at recess anymore. Please bless for me to not get cold this Christmas. Thank you for kitties. Please tell Jesus to bring the dinosaurs back again. Please bless I can share my toys with my sister. Please bless that the Tyrannosaurus Rexes will come back to eat off the bad guys. Please bless that we won't crash when we're driving. Please help me to be more grateful when you bless me. I'm thankful for this beautiful world that Jesus has created for us to live on. Thank you for loving us, even though we make mistakes. Please bless that my family can be together forever. Please help me to feel bad when I make a mistake. Please help me to be a better big brother. Please bless the poor, even though we don't know who they are. And we know that the spirits in our home are kind and nice. Please bless me to see others as you see them. Please bless I can with the scriptures even though I'm little. Please bless me with more trials because I know that's how I grow. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Gotta love those prayers, huh? There's some really, really creative ones and some really, really profound ones in there as those children speak to their Heavenly Father. You know, one of the things about prayer is it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Prayer is a right and a privilege that has been given to us, an expectation that we all have to engage in. You don't have to have a a certain level of years or a certain level of spiritual experience or maturity. Prayer is something for all of us to engage in. Prayer is more than just a religious duty. It's more than just a religious practice. It is invitation into relationship, into a conversation with our Abba Father in heaven. And prayer is a powerful way for us to build our friendship with God. Some people might get intimidated by prayer. Some people might get confused on how to do it. I've heard, I don't know what to say. But it doesn't matter because Jesus says and invites us in. There's no reason to be intimidated. And if we are confused, Jesus gives us help in understanding. So let's look this morning at how to pray. There are sermon notes that are in your bulletin. If you're a note taker or in the the kids' uh, activity bins with some extra uh, fill-ins on the screen. So let's start this morning at looking at how not to pray. And I might need some help clicking through this. Let's look at how not to pray this morning. The first aspect that Jesus gives to us as we look at how not to pray is to be seen by the hypocrites. How not to pray? We do it not to be seen like the hypocrites. Verse 5 Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So how do we not pray? We do not pray, first, to be seen like the hypocrites. Jesus is referring, as he speaks about the hypocrites, he is referring to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, even the rabbis who would stand in the synagogues, those places of worship that would be in communities in Israel, and on street corners praying. Now, praying in synagogues and even praying on street corners was not in itself wrong. It did not mean that if they prayed in synagogues and on street corners, they were hypocrites. It was the reason that Jesus was after and why they were, pre- why they were praying on street, go- uh, street corners and in synagogues. It was the motive. And the motive of the religious people was this. They had a heart of pride, a heart at, of look at me. It was prayer in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others, to be applauded by others, to be acknowledged as spiritual and prayer warriors that they would pray so others would see them. And Jesus said, though their actions were right, 
their heart motive was wrong. And so Jesus calls these that were held up hypocrites. And he tells them that they have received their reward in full. What they were after, they got. They got the applause from people. They got the attaboys and the girls. They got the, wow, you are so spiritual. I wish I was like you. They got their reward in full. And so Jesus says that when we pray, how do we not pray? We don't pray to be seen like these hypocrites. But we also don't pray like the pagans or the Gentiles in verse 7. It says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. How not to pray? We don't pray by talking without meaning like the pagans or the Gentiles. Jesus turns his attention away from the religious in Israel to those who were outside of Israel, non-Jews, pagans, or Gentiles. And he comes against them and he says, do not babble like them. Now, the word that, is, that Jesus uses is a word that is not seen anywhere outside of the Bible and is not seen anywhere really outside of this one passage. And so many scholars believe that it was one of those words that would have been most understood by those first century Jewish hearers because it would have been almost like a play on words. The, the word that would have been used would have sounded like babbling. And so the hearers would have understood it, but we would understand it this way. Don't use a word and don't speak just to speak. If you're talking in prayer just to talk without any meaning or without any purpose, thinking that the more words you use or the bigger the words or the more impressive the words are, the more likely it will be to be heard by others, or by God. This is not what it's about. The amount of your words, the Gentiles thought the amount of their words would get God to hear them. Some translations may even say vain repetition. So depending whatever your translation of the Bible that you're using, it may not say babbling, it may say vain repetitions. Repetition is not the focus, saying something over and over and over. Because in prayer, Jesus repeated himself in the garden three times, didn't he? When he was in the garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was betrayed, he said three times, Father, if there is any way for this cup to pass from me, let it be so, yet not my will, but your will be done. Three times he prayed this. The apostle Paul had some kind of sickness or affliction in his body. And he says, three times I asked the Lord to take it away from me. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes people may say, see, we're not supposed to ask for something over and over and over again. One time should be enough. Jesus is not saying repetition and asking over and over is the problem. It's if I'm just saying the same thing over and over and over to fill space or because I just want to repeat myself, but there's no heart meaning behind it. If I'm just saying it to be heard or trying to convince God, then 
That is what Jesus is after. You see, these pagans or Gentiles thought that the amount of their words influenced whether they would be heard by their gods or not. And so Jesus comes against these two things and saying, this is not how you pray when you pray. He makes sure that we pray not for the attention or the praise of others. God is our audience not people. Some of you may hear this, and this teaching is a word of correction for you. Because there may be that little whisper when you are praying, maybe in a group with others at a prayer meeting or something, there may be a little desire in the back of your mind that says, boy, I hope somebody hears me, and I hope somebody thinks, wow, I am spiritual. You, you may not go into prayer thinking that, but you may pray it, and as you pray it, the little thought may come into your mind of, wow, that sounded really good. I hope so-and-so heard that. They're going to really think I'm a good prayer. And if we're honest, I think some of us, that would be a natural desire. We want approval. We want encouragement from others. But we need to remember, from what Jesus is saying, we are not to, be pray, not to pray to be heard by others. He is our audience. For others, it may be a word of encouragement. Some may not want to pray because they worry about what others will think of them when they're praying. Have you ever heard of someone in a prayer group say, I don't want to pray out loud because I don't want anybody to think that my prayers are going to sound dumb. Or I'm not sure that I have, I'm not going to sound as good as so-and-so. I'm not a professional prayer like that person is. If you're on that end of it, the encouragement is this. People are not who are listening to your prayers. God is. So pray. Bring those words. So don't pray to be heard by others. And don't not pray because you're afraid of being heard by others. And when you pray, don't think about how beautiful your words are or even if you're using the right words as if that is going to affect being heard. But simply come to pray, to talk to your Heavenly Father. And so Jesus, after talking about how not to pray, shifts to, in this short teaching, on how to pray. So the second part of this is Jesus gives in the not how to pray into the how to pray is it begins with believing two things. It begins with believing first that God sees you. Believe that God sees you. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says, when you pray, believe God sees you. This is in contrast to those hypocrites who prayed to be seen by people. Jesus says, when you pray, believe God 
sees you. And if you believe that, here's a way to exercise it. When you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Because, follow this, this is a little complicated, at least to me. Go into your room where no one sees you, and your Father, who is unseen, will see you. Seems like a bit of a riddle, doesn't it? Go into your room where no one's going to see you, so that your Father, who you cannot see, will reward you because he sees you. Your audience is not people, we said that, but your father is. And your father is unseen, he is spirit. And so when we do this, we are exercising faith. We are living in faith and belief that the God that we do not see exists. And as the author of Hebrews says, that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. And so going into our room to pray or going into some place to pray to God, believing that the one we do not see exists, exercising our faith, believing that he sees us, he rewards us by hearing and by meeting with us. He rewards those who diligently seek after him. So some may wonder this. Some may wonder about praying in groups. We talked about a night of worship and prayer. We had an opportunity where we lifted up praises and prayers this morning. We have prayer meeting on Sunday nights, usually at 6 o'clock. There's a men's prayer meeting at 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning. There's a ladies' prayer meeting at 10 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Should we not then not pray in groups? Jesus says to pray in your room. Well, this is why we need to look at the whole of Scripture. Because the people of God from Israel all the way through the church have been instructed to come together, to gather together, to pray together. The early church had many times of prayer meetings together that God came and did something significant. The issue is not whether we are to only pray by ourselves, which we are, or whether we are only to pray in groups, which we are to do that too. The issue is no matter when we pray, we're not to be praying to be seen by others, but rather to be seen by our Abba Father, our Heavenly Father in heaven. It's the motive of our heart. When we pray, we pray believing that God sees us and he is our audience. We believe a second thing, and that is that God knows our needs. Verse 8 In contrast to the pagans or the Gentiles, Jesus says, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. See, those pagans or Gentiles tried to inform their gods with their many words. Jesus says there's no need to inform God. He already knows 
And he knows what you need before you ever come to him and before you ever open your mouth. Sometimes we go to prayer and we say, we fill God in on a whole situation, like somehow he needs our insight into what is going on. Sometimes we just need to get it all out. But if we're coming to God to say, God, in case you didn't know, this is happening and this is what I need, we're missing a part of who God is. God is all-knowing and God is all-loving and he knows exactly what we need even before we come to bring it. Parents, can you imagine having your children come to you and as they come to you, be saying, eh, I already know. There are sometimes, the more you spend time with your kids, that you like, yeah, I think I have a pretty good idea of what's coming next. But there are other times where I don't know. My kids are bringing things to me. Parents, your kids are bringing things to you. Kids, you're going to your parents, and they don't know. But God knows. He knows before we ever even open our mouths what we need. So, why in the world do we pray? Why in the world do we ask God for anything? Isn't this kind of a silly expectation? Isn't it a waste of time then if before we even go to prayer, God already knows? Why do we even bring our needs to him? Well, prayer is not a waste of time. Prayer is not a silly expectation. Prayer is an invitation into relationship with our God, of friendship with our God, first and foremost. It's an opportunity for us to express our faith and our belief in him. And it's an opportunity to express our dependence and our trust in him for our needs. Every friendship is dependent on how, how good that friendship is going to be, is dependent on the level of trust. And so if we have trust in our Father, we come and we build trust with Him. We demonstrate our trust to Him by saying, Abba, Father, I come to you. You already know this, but I come and I depend on you. I believe that you see me. I believe that you hear me. I believe that you know what I need even before I've come. And even if I think I need this, you may know that I actually need this. And so I come and I bring my request and I bring my need, but I trust and I depend on you. I believe that you see me, you hear me, and that you know what I need. And there is this amazing thing that happens from our earliest times of prayer to our oldest days of prayer. That relationship, friendship with God gets built. Trust and dependence gets built. Faith and belief gets built as we talk to him, spend time with him, and see him move 
and meet our needs. God, more than anything, is after a relationship with us. Whether we are four or five years old, or 94 or 95 years old. God wants friendship with us. He's after people who believe that he sees them, that he hears them, that he cares about them, that he is able to meet our needs even as he knows what we need best. And when we come in that way, full of faith, full of belief, full of dependence, Prayer builds a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so Jesus then says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. There were times that the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gave them in Luke 11, he gave them a version of this prayer. And so Sometimes this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer can turn into one of those babbling, vain repetitions that we can just say it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us or our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I prayed. Ryan's giving me a clap. We can do that. And we can approach prayer like that. And it can just be the thing that we recite. Friends, if we do that, we are no different, no different than those babbling pagans. But if we look at prayer, if we look at prayer as an invitation, and if we look at this prayer as a model for which we can build our prayer life upon, this becomes Jesus' teaching. This is how we pray, a model to follow. I'm not going to spend much time on this prayer because at the beginning of this year, we spent 40 days on this prayer, joining with our Alliance family in 40 days of prayer. So if you really want to dig into it, on our Facebook page and on our, our website, there are all kinds of sermons. You can go back and really get a review on these. But I want to highlight them for us quickly. There are these areas of prayer. Prayer begins in Jesus' model with worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We acknowledge God as our Father. Not just my father, but all those who have been brought into the family of God, our father. We come to him and we acknowledge that our father is in heaven. He's our heavenly father. And we hallow or revere or worship his name. His name refers to his whole being, his nature and his character. And so we worship the fullness of of who he is. And we could do this forever. I appreciated so much what Leah said, that our words fall short. If we can't even explore the depths of the universe or don't even, or the, the oceans, or don't even know the fullness of the universe, how can we ever begin to know the fullness of our Father? And so there will always be more to know, always be more to be drawn into understanding, and we hallow the greatness 
of our God, his name. It begins with worship. It then moves to kingdom partnership. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We surrender to God. And we join in with what he wants to do. As our international worker partners at the beginning of our service said, we want to see what God is doing and join him. That is kingdom come. We want you to be in charge and we want your will to be done. And God, in any way that I can be a part of what you're doing, I say yes to that today. Give us today our daily breads. This is prayer as petition. This is where we bring those needs. This is where we are able to come to our Father and believe that he already knows what we need, but we express our dependence upon him for the meeting of our needs. Then it moves into confession. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We ask, would you forgive me for this and this and this? And it's a wonderful time to be able to sit before our Father, to ask him, is there anything that you have against me that I need to be forgiven of? And we ask for forgiveness. But we also then forgive others. If others have hurt us, if others have wronged us, then we forgive them. So much so that in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Part of understanding our forgiveness is to extend it to others. Out of the forgiveness we've received, we forgive others. Prayer as spiritual warfare is the fifth section. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is always temptation around us to do wrong, to sin. We are asking that God would help us in our fight against temptation. And we are asking for his protection from our enemy, Satan. Lastly is this hopeful expression. Some scriptures have it, some do not, but I believe it's very much part of what Jesus' heart for this prayer is. And that is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's a very forward-looking, hope-filled way to end prayer. The psalmists were always full of, my life is terrible, this is why, this is what I need you to do. But then they would usually end with, but I know that. <laughs> you are good, you are faithful, you are powerful. You will fix this in the end. My trust is in you. Prayer always should end with, no matter what is going on, Lord, I look to the fact that you're in charge. Lord, I look to the fact that you are working these things out. Lord, I work, look to the fact that you will make all things right one day, even if I'm not feeling it now. Prayer as hopeful expression. How do we pray? Not to be seen. Not with speaking to be heard, but we pray believing that God sees us, he hears us, he knows what we need, and we build our prayer life following his model, praying like Jesus prayed. As a finish, there's a short video 
from our Alliance family that's been put out of children. We began with prayers from children. This is a short prayer from children of the Lord's Prayer, but in many different languages. It doesn't have to be only in English (laughs) for the Lord to hear. There are many, many, many different languages, and the Lord hears us all. So listen to these children pray the Lord's Prayer in their native tongue. This, then, is how you should pray. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos. On earth as it is in heaven. We have forgiven us in and oh how our Father in heaven loves to hear the prayers of his children, whether they're four or five, or 94 or 95. The Lord loves to hear the prayers of his children. May we together come, and may we individually come into his presence, not to be heard by others, not with many, many words, but believing he sees us, believing he hears us, believing he knows what what we need, coming in faith to our Father. So, Father, we do ask that you would build a prayer life for all of us and that you would make us as a church family more and more a people of prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you taught us that prayer is not optional. That prayer is the expectation because you know the good things for us. And so when we pray, Would you teach us how to pray? And would you keep us from praying for the approval of others or just to be heard? But would you teach us to pray believing in faith that you see us, you hear us, and that you know exactly what we need? Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you were not just a teacher of prayer, but you were a man of prayer. Teach us to pray more and more as you did. In Jesus' name, amen.